welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. For those of you that was with us last week, you know that we started a new series titled, What Would Jesus Undo? Not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus undo? Today, we're on part two of that series, and the subtitle for today is The Empty Box. <clears throat> so if you're writing those down, write that down. The Empty Box is our subtitle for today. And you know we're, what we're doing in this series, What Would Jesus Undo?, is we're looking at a few things that broke the heart of Jesus, and we're looking at them to see how would he undo those things? How would he undo some things? And so I told you that what would Jesus move? Last week, I told you that the what would Jesus movement, it wasn't so much about, you know, what would Jesus undo, but it was more so about what would we undo or how would we act or how would we respond in certain situations and hopefully encourage ourselves to um, act in the way that Jesus would probably act in certain situations. Likewise, you know, the what would Jesus undo isn't so much about what he would undo, but we would, we're going to, we're looking at how or what he would undo, but it's more so about what we would undo. We can all can agree there's some things about our lives, our personal lives that we need to undo. Amen. I almost said what we need, what we probably need to undo, but no, that's I, I'm not going to even play with it like that. The reality is what we there's some things that we all need to undo. Amen. And I'll be the first one to raise my hand on that one. Last week we looked at a spiritual uh I, last week we talked about Jesus and him being disappointed in spiritual indifference uh, in people's lives as being something that he would undo. If he had the opportunity to undo something, uh, he would undo spiritual indifference. This is something that we see in the scripture that it breaks his heart when he see people um, in this manner. And that is they are unconcerned about their spiritual lives. They don't treat it with value. They don't treat it with the importance uh, that it actually needs to be treated, that it needs to be treated. You know, I shared a story about, you know, my wife, and a gift that I gave her, you know, five years ago. And I just felt that she, she treated that gift with unconcern. She treated that gift, you know, uh, not with the value that I gave it. And so uh, Jesus, there's things about us, about our lives that he's done for us, that he's blessed us, you know, and, and this, this spiritual life, we don't treat it with the importance and with the value that it actually deserves. We treat it with unconcern. And so today, what I want to do is I want to start, just like last week, I started with a story. I want to start with a story today, okay? I remember one time I was shooting this wedding, and everything was going, you know, just like any other wedding. The excitement, the, excitement, the anticipation is all there. It's huge. It's great. You know, you just feel love in the air. Yesterday, I, did a, I shot a wedding, and I uh, shot it all day long. And, I mean, love was just in the air all over the place, you know? 
Um, it was it was a lot of emotions with the bride and groom. I mean, all the way to the end, man. They was cutting the cake, and they was they was crying and having moments. You know, it was it was it was love and emotion all in the air. And so this particular wedding that I'm shooting is love and emotion all in the air. The groom he comes down, and as he comes down, you know he's he's happy. You know, you see all his face. His eyes are already starting to water up. You know, so as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh boy, this this is gonna be one of them type of weddings, you know. And then, you know, behind him, the whole wedding, the wedding party, they come in behind him, you know, everybody's lined up at front <laughs> and eventually the bride comes in. And when the bride comes in, you know, of course, everybody is eyes, all eyes on the bride and, and the groom, he really started crying in, you know, tears really start flowing in. She ain't even, she ain't even up front yet. And he's already crying, you know? So anyway, the wedding goes on, the, the, the ceremony goes on, they get to the part where, you know, they get ready to exchange the rings. and the groom, you know, uh, the best man handed the groom, you know, the uh, uh, the ring for the bride. It's in a box, it's in the ring box. And the groom opens the box up and there is no ring in the box. It's just an empty box. All right. And he starts panicking, you know, and he's looking at the best man because the best man was the one who had the ring. And the best man is like, you know, checking his inside pocket. He's checking his pockets everywhere. And he don't have the ring, you know. And the bride is standing there like, uh, what in the world is going on? She's, she's looking at this ring box and it's empty, right? Uh, hold on just a second. I think we got somebody trying to get in. Yep. There we go. And so the, 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 uh, the, 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 the efficient, the, the guy that's officiating the wedding, the bride and, and, you know, the audiences, everybody's like, oh boy, what's going on here? And turns out it was, it was an actual joke. You know, the, the uh, groom's son, um, he was actually sitting on the front row and uh, he had the ring. And so the groom's son come running up there real quick and he gave him the ring. So it was just a joke that the groom was playing on his bride. But the, the, the look on her face when she saw that empty box, amen, was a, a priceless look. <laughs> it, was, it definitely was a priceless look. So here's the question. What if, what if, I told you guys we're, we're talking about some things that, we're looking at some things that, you know, uh, broke the heart of Jesus. And we're asking ourselves the question or asking the question, what would Jesus undo? So to get us going for today, what if, everybody say, what if? what if, what if, what if the things that we're doing, all right, the things that we're doing, what if the songs that we sing, what if the sermons that we preach, what if the, 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 the service that we do, you know, what if all of these things are empty boxes? What if these things are, are all empty boxes? What if, what if you know, uh, we're, we're, we're singing these songs of worship, we're preaching these messages, you know, we, we're doing this service, you know, uh, 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 acts of service and volunteering, doing different things, you know, for the church and for God and, and all these different, what if, what if all of these things turn out to be empty? They're just an empty box, you know, uh, that, that, that we're given to God. What if our lives is a false image of who we really are and our spiritual lives is something much different, much more different than what people actually see or what they think? You know, what if, what would Jesus undo? What would he undo when it comes to this? He would undo what, this is what Jesus would undo. He would undo what we 
called uh, 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 false worship or empty worship. Or another way of saying it is vain worship. When we look at our worship, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, is our worship false? Is our worship empty? Is it vain worship? Is it something that, you know, we're presenting to God, something that we're giving to him as a gift, amen? Is it something that is empty? Is God standing at the altar, you know, like that bride, you know, and 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 we're bringing a gift that groom has given her a ring and he opens the box and it's empty. Is God standing there looking like, well, where's the gift? It's, it's, it's in just an empty box, you know? What if our worship, what if our preaching, what if our service, everything that we're doing, what if it's all just empty and fake? You know, the book of, uh, the book of, <coughs> sorry. Uh, so, uh, somebody keeps trying to get in, so that's why I keep pausing for a minute. They keep getting in and, and falling out, everybody. So if I pause for a minute, that's why I'm pausing, okay? Um. Let me reduce my screen for a minute. I can probably see them better. Yeah, let me do that. Okay, so what if, here's some things. The book of Matthew chapter 15 and verses one and two, it says, right, so if you're taking notes, I want you to go to the book of Matthew, right? Because we're going to read several scriptures from this book. And uh, in this book of Matthew, math, why am I putting an R in this? I'm saying Matthew. What is that all about? Oh no, in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verses one and two, uh, here, here's a, a setting. Here's the picture. All right. Jesus is being approached by some Pharisees. He's being approached by some teachers uh, of the religious law, you know, teachers in the church. And when they approach him, they question him about something that they see the disciples not doing, you know, his his 12. All right. His his inner circle, his group, his team, all right? This is his team, his A number one team. This is his, this is his starters, okay? Matthew chapter 15, verse one and two, it says, some Pharisees and some religious, uh, or some teachers of the religious law, they came to Jesus, uh, they came to Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey the age old tradition? So they come to Jesus, they come to Jerusalem. Jesus is there. He's walk, going around preaching, doing his ministry stuff that he do. His disciples are with him and they're doing their ministry stuff that they do, you know. And he's they, they ask him a question. Why do your disciples disobey the age-old tradition? Okay, what's the age-old tradition that they're talking about? Well, let's keep reading here. It says, they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Are, are you kidding me? You mean to tell me that out of all the stuff that's going on in the world, y'all worried about somebody washing their hands before they eat? Give me a break. Give me a break. Jesus, out of everything that they could address Jesus with, out of everything that they could bother this man with, out of everything that they can, if they, if they got a problem with him, out of everything that they can confront him with, they are confronting him about his team, his starters, not washing their hands before they eat. Like, really? This is what we, okay. So, you know, I remember one time, you know, I, I wore a baseball cap in church. I come into church, man. I was happy to be in church. The Bible says, you know, uh, uh, coming to his gates with praise and, 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 and to his, coming to his courts with praise and to his gates with thanksgiving, something like that it say, you know, and, and with thanksgiving, 
come into the church praising and thanking God, right? I came into the church, man. I was thank giving God thanksgiving. I came into the church praising. I was happy to be there. I was speaking to everybody. I was hugging folks and waving. Hey, how y'all doing? We in church. We in church, you know? And uh, I get, I march myself all the way up to the front, you know, as I'm walking through the church, you know, speaking to people and stuff. I get all the way up to the front of the church. And, and one of the diggers like, uh, Brother Byron, you need to take that hat off. You know, and, and it was like, it was like I had committed a crime. It was like, you know, I'm all happy and excited and everything, you know, to be in church. And it's like my, my mood instant. I mean, instantly it changed, you know, and I felt like I was being chastised. I felt like I was being punished and it, it felt, it was just like, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm sorry. You know, take my hat off. And, and, uh, I, so I took my hat off and, you know, I, th I think I might have did like laid on my heart. You know what I mean? Like I'm getting ready to say the Pledge of Allegiance or something, you know. <laughs> and but anyway, it, it felt so bad. You know, these Pharisees and these teachers of the religious law, they were more concerned about their religious traditions than they were about God's order and about God's people. They didn't care about God's order. They didn't care about God's people. They were more concerned about their traditions. They were more concerned about their rules. Amen. And they made the mistake. They made the mistake of asking Jesus, you know, about his disciples. Why come they don't obey the ceremonial traditions? Well, guess what? They made a mistake when they did that. When they did that, all right, they made a mistake by asking Jesus this question. You know, in today's words, you know, somebody might say this. This ain't what we're going to do. You know what I mean? We're not going to do this today. Jesus, he went in on them. They unleashed, you know what they say, the crackling, the cracking. They unleashed the cracking. They unleashed the beast when they did that. The lion, the lion of Judah. Let's, let's, let's name Jesus that because <laughs> that is his name, amen. The lion of Judah. They unleashed the lion of Judah when they did that. They made a big old mistake when they did that, boy. Jesus came at them with his with his pistols ready to pow. He, 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 pulled them, he pulled out two six shooters, right? And he's blazing away at them. This is what he says here in verse number three in that same, in that same, where we're in Matthew chapter 15 again. Uh, and so verse number three, Jesus said, it says, it, it says, Jesus replied, this is what he replied. He says, and why do you by your traditions? Now they come to Jesus <clears throat> and they, they come to Jesus, pointing the finger at him. Why don't your disciples obey the age-old traditions of washing their hands before they eat? So when they said, why don't your disciples, they was pointing the finger at Jesus. They weren't necessarily concerned about the disciples and what they were doing, but these because these were Jesus, because they were Jesus's disciples, then they were pointing the finger at him. They were putting the blame on him. They were, they were like, your disciples. So you got to take accountability for this one, right? So Jesus said, okay, cool. This is what we're going to do. All right, let's do it then. He said, so he said, and why don't you, he pointed the finger right back at them, right back at them. Okay, so why don't you, by your traditions, your traditions, okay, why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? What, what do you mean? The direct commandments of God. By your own traditions, you violate the direct commandments of God. Well, what are you talking about, Jesus? In other words, which is more important, your traditions or God's commandments? Let's 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 do let's go there since you want to go there. Which one is more important, your traditions 
or God's commandments. All right, let's go down here. Verse number four. He says, for instance, for example, let's, let's, let's look at this right here. This is just a small one, but we're going to use this small one, okay? He says, God says, honor your father and your mother. He says, anyone who speaks disrespectfully of their father or, or, and their mother must be what? Put to death. This is the law. This is in the law of Moses. This is your law. This is your traditions, okay? All right? He says, but, but you say it is okay for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. I have vowed to give God this time that you want me to give to you. <laughs> Maybe somebody didn't quite understand that or get that. So let me break it down for you, okay? Say your mom and your dad needs your help. They need your help doing something. And I'm not talking about, okay, uh, they need you to run to the store or they need you to you know, get up and get the remote and change the TV or something like that, okay? We're not talking about, okay, we're talking about some help. They need some real help. This is a legitimate you know, a, a, a request that your parents have, that they need your help for something, to, with something. But instead of helping them, this is what you do. Instead of helping them, you go and you help the pastor. You go and you help the bishop. You go and you help the church. Uh, Mom, I, I can't do it today because I got to go to church. Now, I know that might sound different, right? That might sound a little bit sacrilegious, right? Now, keep in mind, I, I didn't say not asking for help because our, our parents sometimes, they be asking us to do stuff and we be looking at them like, no, nah, you know darn well, you don't need my help right now. You, or, or, or this, this, can just, this can wait. This like can seriously wait, okay? Now, now, I'm not talking about that type of help. I'm talking about they, they seriously need some help. This is legitimate, okay? This is legitimate. They need some help. And instead of helping, the pastor you know, needs you to do this. The, the bishop needs you to do this. So the church needs you to do this, okay? And I'm saying the pastor, pastor and the bishop and the church, why? Because these were the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the church and of the law that were approaching Jesus. So he put it back on them. He said, y'all got people out here coming, uh, committing themselves to do what you want them to do. Y'all got people out here committing themselves to the church and y'all got people out here committing themselves to do the stuff that you want them to do. And in the meantime, they are neglecting their own parents. Okay, verse number six, let's keep going with this thing. Verse number six, he says, in this way, you say, uh, uh, in this way, you say they don't need to honor their mother and their father. They don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel out the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You cancel out when God says, honor your mother and your father. You cancel that out for the sake of your own tradition. He says this. This is what he says in verse number seven. He says, you hypocrites. He, called, he flat out called them a hypocrite. He ain't pulled no punches. I told y'all Jesus came out with them six shooters, right? He was popping them. And uh, he said, he said, you hypocrites. He says, Isaiah was right. Remember the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament? He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. He said, he wrote this. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The worship is fake for they teach man-made ideas as God's commandments. 
man-made ideas, man-made traditions. They're teaching these to the people and they're holding the people fast to these things as God's commandments. When they're not God's commandments, these are their rules. These are their traditions. He said they're hypocrites. They're, they're full of fake worship. And he said, these people honor me. They, they, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus said, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he spoke about you, when he prophesied about you. Man-made traditions and rules are not God's commandments. They are not from God. Now, I'm not saying that rules should all be thrown out. I'm not saying that traditions should all be thrown out. But if you're going to hold people accountable to one or the other, meaning God's commandments and, and, and man's traditions, you have to choose God's commandments over man's traditions. This is what Jesus told them. It, they, these, they were more concerned about their traditions of worship than they were about honoring God's commandments. The ceremony, the traditional ceremonial uh, uh, act of washing your hands before you eat it, it, it is, is what they viewed as a, a, a form of worship. A form of worship. I, I'll, I'll help you out. <clears throat> you think about religion. Think about religion. In, 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 the, in, in the church today, and most churches, a lot of churches, when you do communion, there's a ceremonial traditional way of doing it a lot of times you know all the deacons that that participate in doing communion what if one of the things they do they put on these white gloves white gloves why to be clean uh, uh in the catholic church when a a, a a priest gets ready to do communion somebody bring them a bowl of water they'll have a, a usually a young uh, a teenage boy and he have a towel raped, draped across his arm and he have a bowl of water and the priest would dip his hands in the water, wash his hands off. And then he would take that towel and dry his hands off. And then he would, you know, uh, step away and the, the priest would begin to do, you know, distribute communion, the, the wafers to everyone. Okay. Cause a lot of times what they do, they take the communion and they give it to you and put it in your mouth. Right. They want to make sure their hands are clean. Cleanliness. Right, y'all follow me so far? In in the um, uh, Muslims, they have a, a tradition of when they go into their place of worship, what they do is they take their shoes off, all right, and they put them in these little cubby hole cubbies that they have at the door and at the entrance way in on the inside, and they even if their pants leg are dragging the floor or touching the floor, they'll take their plant pants leg and roll them up so that their pants legs are not, and they do this. Uh, I, I learned this because I spent some time at a Muslim mosque, and this was one of the questions I asked them. I said, why do you guys take your shoes off? And they explained to me, and they said, it's because of cleanliness. Your shoes have been walking around on the ground all over the place and, and all kinds of mess, a lot, a lot of filth. We come in here when we pray, they said we prostrate, meaning they put their face down to the ground when they pray and they come back up, all right? All right, and this is just, this is just an FYI. So when they go down, they have their hands up, they have their palms are like this and they go down with their palms down. And what they're doing is they're praying for God's blessings to come down. And then when you see them, when they pray, they, they turn their palms up and they pray when they come up. And what they're doing is they're praying blessings to God. 
Okay. So when they come up, they're, they're sending up their prayers to God. When they come down, they're asking God to bring his, give their blessings to them. All right. So anyway, cleanliness and taking the shoes off. Um, you know, you can go through all types of religious situations where the acts or tra traditional cer ceremonial, traditional things take place in these forms of cleanliness. Okay. Not saying that that stuff is bad, not saying that it should, all should be thrown out or anything like that, but why is that more important than God's commands? So you got people up here participating in doing communion and, and wearing gloves and, and, and distributing the elements and stuff like that when their parents at home and need them. Their parents are at home and they got some stuff going on and they need to be there for their parents. Maybe their parents got some, some physical issues, some, some, uh, 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 some medical issues or something's going on. They're, they're in a situation, but you up here got, okay, stop, man. Stop. Jesus like, stop. Don't do this. Okay. Let me move on. All right. They, were, they weren't concerned about how these laws and how these traditions were affecting people's lives in a negative way. You know, I, I gave a quote a few lessons or messages ago, and that was this. It says, you can be doing the right thing, but have the wrong motive. Amen. You can be doing the right thing, but have the wrong motive. They thought they were doing the right thing, but their motives were <laughs> way off. Jesus said, far from my heart. Their motives was far from the heart of God. Amen. What would Jesus undo? He would undo the external worship and dig deep on the inside of each one of us to find that true worship that comes from the heart. That's what he would undo. We got this external worship out here that is portraying or looking like it's from the heart, portraying and looking like it's real, but in actuality is false, is fake, and it's empty. It's an empty box. What if, what if our worship is empty? We have to ask ourselves the question, what if this, the, the preaching and the teaching, the, the service, the acts of service that we do, what the things that we call ourselves doing for God and doing for God's people, what if these things are empty? Hmm. Jesus would undo that external worship and he would dig down on the in, deep on the inside of our hearts and find that true worship, amen? I want to spend some time talking about worship since we're, 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 we're we are talking about worship let me let me dig a little bit deeper into worship amen most of the time when people talk about worship or when they mention worship most people's minds they go to the place of thinking about different forms of musical expression amen the singing the, the, the music and the instruments and all that stuff like that you know they think about you know raising your hands and you know worshiping god and all that the whole worship service experience that's what they think about and that's all right and good okay so i'm not throwing it out we're keeping that Okay, keeping that. Sometimes people, they think about other different artistic forms or artistic express artistic expressions such as dance or spoken word or drama, you know, the list goes on and on. All of those, again, are forms of expressions of worship. In other words, worship can be expressed during using these things, using music and using different art forms and so forth. Amen? Expressions of worship. All of these are good. All right, we're not throwing them away. We're keeping those things, all right? But worship is, is much more than that. It's bigger than that, amen? It's bigger. It's not just about the expression. It's not just about the form. It is about the expression, but it's not just about the form of expression, amen? Here, here's what worship is. <clears throat> worship is expression, all right? 
It's expressions of reverence. So when we sing, we sing because we're giving reverence to God. When we dance, we dance because we're giving reverence to God. When we raise our hands and, 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 and worship, we're doing it because we give, it's an expression. Our physical posture is an expression of our reverence to God, amen? It, it, no matter what it is, if it's an expression of reverence to God, then it's worship, amen? Worship is this, it's deep respect. It's, it's adoration towards a deity, amen, towards God. So here's again what it is, expressions of reverence, deep respect, and adoration towards God. That's what worship is. Worship is an expression. Let's just keep it simple. I, I hate to make things hard and complicated because we've done that for too long, okay? Let's keep it simple. What is worship? Worship is expression. It's your way of expression, reverence, expression, deep respect, and adoration to God. Amen. It's an expression. All right. So here's what we need to know. Whichever form of, of expression you use, it can be right or it can be wrong. It all depends on your motive and your heart. You can be singing. All right. It can be right or it can be wrong. You can raise your hands. It can be right or it can be wrong. You can, you can dance. You can, you can pray. You can, you know, uh, 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 teach God's word, you know, acts of service, whatever it is, it could be right or wrong. It all depends on your motive and your heart. Isaiah said this. He said, then Jesus quoted Isaiah when he said that. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is what? Fake. We don't want to have fake worship. I remember when my kids, yeah. when they were really young, they would make these different things at school. I remember all the way back to earliest preschool, they would make stuff, you know, and these little stuff all right and i remember i i can remember several things right they would make this little stuff so y'all can relate man your kids would make stuff and and some of you probably remember making stuff yourself and taking it home to your mom or your dad or whatever and and they would they would bring home these things and they would be all excited they would be all happy and 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 give it to us they would give it to margarita give it to me or whatever and sometimes i would look at these things like oh my gosh what is this you know and i'm like ooh wee you ain't do a good job on this one right here, <laughs> you know, but even though, even though I, I, you know, I'm like, no, this, this, this don't look good. You know, even though I might've felt that way, I still accepted it. I accepted it. Like it was the greatest thing. I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. This is wonderful, whatever. And then later on, I go to market, like what in the world is this? You know, but I would, in, in, their, in their presence, I'd be like, oh man, this is beautiful. This is great. I, I, I treated it like it was like one of the greatest things I ever did. I did it because I knew, I knew that they made that thing and they gave it with reverence Amen. and adoration. I knew that they, it was coming from their heart. I knew that it was coming from a place of respect, a place of love, a place of adoration. So what I do, I accepted it. You know, you, you, whatever it is that you do, it may not be done with perfection. You know, it may not be the best. It may be one of the worst. Okay. But if it's from your heart, if it's from your heart, if it's true, God accepts it. God takes it. And he, he, he treats it like it's the best thing that you could have done. Because to him, it is. You gave him your best. And you gave it from your heart. 
That's what pleases God when it comes to our worship. Amen. We have to understand that Christianity, it's not a hobby. This is Amen. not a hobby. Amen. You know, we have to understand that it's not an interest. It's not something that we're just interested in. It's not a label to walk around and say, I'm a Christian. You know what I mean? It's not. It's our life. Amen. It's not only it's our life, it's our way of living. Living this, Christ, this Christian life, it's a, it's a way of living. And the way of, a part of this living, a part of this way of living involves worship. Showing deep respect and adoration and reverence towards God. Amen. Not having fake worship, empty worship, but true worship. Amen. Amen. Worship isn't just the different forms of expressions to God. It's a way of living. It's the, it's the life that we live. Amen. That life that we live, it comes out in the in expressions. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm about to bring this thing down to a closure, y'all. So I want to take some time and 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 bring this to a closure. Take some time to think and some and to reflect. So I want everybody. I, I know some of you are are listening and you're probably working or or doing some other things. When we get on here on Zoom, a lot of times you know, people will multitask. So I want you to, if you can, if you can, I want you to pause for a minute, stop doing what you're doing for a, for, for a few minutes. And, and, and I want you to just to really listen to me because I want you to take some time to think and I want you to take some time to reflect. I don't want anything to distract you from thinking and reflecting. That's why I'm asking you to pause, okay? And this is what I want you to do, all right? I want you to... to uh, I want you to think about the things that you do to worship God. Really, truly think about the things that you do to worship God that comes from your heart. Okay. And, and when I say truly, I mean truly. All right. I, I, I don't mean, you know, uh, 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 because you made a commitment, things that you do because you made a commitment uh, or, or things that you do out of obligation. You know, not because you feel like or you know that it's the right thing to do. You know, saying here's here's how I, I, I want to help you out. Here's how you can tell. Here's one of the ways that you can tell at least. One of the ways that you can tell. So think about some think think about the things that you do to worship God. All right. Now, how can we eliminate some of those things that you think about? That ways that you you worship God. Well, I'm give you one thing that's real easy, real simple. Eliminate any person that might have an influence on your participation. Eliminate that person. And once you eliminate that person, be honest with yourself. If that person is not in the picture when it comes to my participation, you know, somebody like your husband or your wife, somebody like your mom or your dad or a close friend or a family member, eliminate that person. If you eliminate that person, are you still participating? Are you still participating on the same level? Okay. If you take away that, if you take that person out of the equation and you're still participating on that level, okay, then it's probably true worship. It's a good chance that it's probably true worship. But if you eliminate that person and your participation diminishes or disappears, then it's probably not true worship. You know, if, 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 if you're going to church, 
because your husband is going to church or your wife is going to church. If they stop going to church, are you going to stop going to church or are you going to continue to go to church? That's just an example, okay? Now, I want you to think about the ways that, uh, the ways, um, what ways do you truly worship God from the heart, all right? Words, whether it be through singing, physical posture, like raising your hands, kneeling down, bowing your heads, whatever that might be, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, things of uh, uh, artistic forms, acts of service, whether it's prayer, teaching, whatever that might, you, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, when you, when you do those acts of worship, those expressions of worship, are they true worship? Now, once you determine the ways that you truly worship, think about the things that God has done for you. Think about the, G the things that Jesus has done for you. So you got to say, these are the things that I do that I've determined they're, they're, they're true worship. True worship. Okay. There are some other things I had on here, but I, I do have to eliminate them, you know, because uh, they might not be as true as I thought they were. Get rid of those. Here's some things I got. They're true worship. Yeah, these are true. Now, put them on a scale. Put them on a scale. These are the things that I do that are true worship. And, and, and he, these are the things that God has done for me. And these are the things that Jesus has done for me. And when I say the things that God has done for you and the things that Jesus has done for you, I'm not talking about the typical things like, you know, Jesus saved your life. Oh, okay. We know that. Okay. I'm not talking about like forgiving you of your sins. Okay. We know that. Okay. I'm not talking about you know, a, a new direction in life, you know, direct a purpose or wherever, you know. Okay, Let, let's, let's talk about some different things that are very specific to you. It's very specific to you. I'm talking about, some, about, about a specific healing. There was something going on with you. And, and, and physically, spiritually, mentally, where you needed healing. You know for a fact, that specific situation, you know for a fact God healed you. You know, talk about sparing somebody that's close to you, a family member, a friend from death, from a death situation. You know, we think we can think about our daughter, Tia, who was in a really bad car accident, you know, this year. We know that was God. Think about some specific things like that where, you know, some, 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 some situations where, you know, unexpected, unexplainable situations that happened in your life. You know, a forgiveness of a loan, you know, your debt somehow a debt in a situation just disappeared. You know, a bill paid, you know, uh, 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 he made a way out of no way in a specific situation. You know, we can say that all the time. He, God made a way out of no way. No, be specific with it. Think about those specific things that you know that God did for you. Yeah. A prayer, a prayer that you've been hanging on to for a long time. And that prayer was answered. You know, providing for you when when you was at rock bottom, when there was a time a, a time in your life where there was no answers, there was no daylight, there was no nothing. It was just dark, and all of a sudden, God, at some point, turned the light on. Turned the light on. At some point, he 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 grabbed your hand. At some point, he lifted you up. At some point, he turned it around. 
Think about those specific things. Now, those are the things I'm talking about. Put on a scale and, and the ways that, and, and then your worship, the things that you do, specific things that you do to worship God, true worship, put them on a scale. And how does that scale balance out? Well, we, we know that God's blessings is going to outweigh Amen. anything that we can do. Amen. There, there's a song, you know, we can't outgive God. Amen. We can't beat God's given. Mm -hmm. We cannot beat God's given. So his his side of skill is always going to be weighing ours, you know, pushing ours up. You know, it's always going to be like this. You know what I mean? But, 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 but when you really look at it, would you be ashamed? Make it personal. When you look at your true worship, and when you look at the things that God does for you, and you look at the balance of that scale, would you, when you see the things that's on your side, would you be ashamed? Would you be embarrassed? Would it be something that you would undo? And if your answer is yes, I'm embarrassed. Yes, I'm ashamed. Yes, I need to undo this. I, I want you to know that God, Jesus is maybe disappointed at us, but he's not angry. He's not at a place to throw us away, give us away. You know, last week I talked about the church of Laodicea, even though Jesus expressed the disappointment he had with them, <clears throat> he said he was about to spit them out of his mouth. He still had them. He had got that place yet. It takes a lot for God just to, to, to throw us away. Amen. Uh, it, it takes a lot. I don't even know if at some point, I don't even know if it's possible, but I, I, I do know that there is some type of a, 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 a release at some point because the Bible tells us that he gave them up to a reprobate mind because of their disobedience. Okay, let me go on. What would Jesus undo? He would undo the empty, false, lack of true, heartfelt worship we so-called give him. The book of John chapter four and verse 24 God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We hear this scripture all the time in church. How do you worship God in spirit? Somebody needs to answer that. Give me the answer to that question. We hear this all the time, but very rarely do people really answer the question. <clears throat> How do we worship in spirit? I'm gonna help you out. When you read the scripture, it says, uh, again, it says, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Notice in this scripture, if you're reading, if you're looking at it, amen, the word spirit and the word him, God is a spirit, spirit is capitalized, and, and those who worship him, him is also capitalized. That means that these both are proper nouns. These proper nouns are in reference to who? They're in reference to God because God was identified in the beginning of the scripture. It says God is a, what, spirit, and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. 
So we know that God is the one that's being identified. So spirit is capitalized. Him is capitalized. Proper nouns making reference to God specifically. All right. Then as you go on in that same scripture, it says those who worship him must worship him. How? In spirit. Now, this spirit, this spirit is not capitalized. It's still a noun, but it's not a proper noun. Okay. That, that, here, here's the, the word spirit in here, in this, get your Webster dictionary out, go look it up for yourself. All right. The definition of spirit is the non-physical part of a person, person, which is the seat of emotions, emotions, all right, and character. It is the soul of a person. Whenever you see the word spirit, that is with, with a lowercase s, it is it is a it is reference to a non-physical part of a person or being. It's not a proper noun because anytime it's capitalized, it's with reference to God. Okay, and sometimes Jesus, depending on how it's used. All right, or the Spirit of God. It is the non-physical part of a person, which is the seat of their emotions, and their character. It is the soul of a person. Now, if you got your thinking caps on, tell me what is that non-physical part of your being? What is that seat? It is your heart. It's your heart. Throughout the Bible, the word spirit and heart are used interchangeable. Whenever you see a lowercase spirit, you can change that word to heart. Whenever you see heart, change it to spirit. They're just interchangeable. That non-physical part of your emotions, that non-physical part of your character, that soul of who you are is your heart. Amen? It is your heart. The, the, the spirit then, you know, it's... Okay. So the Bible says to worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him with your heart. And don't be fake about it. Worship him with your heart and don't be fake about it. Wow, we hear some people in here. I didn't even see that. Don't be fake about it. That's what he's saying here. Amen. He's saying, worship the Lord with your heart. Though God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him with their heart. And don't be fake about it. Be truthful about it. So how do you worship God in spirit? Worship him with your heart. Amen. Worship him with sincerity. With sincerity. You know what sincerity means? It's mean, sincerity means without hypocrisy. Jesus said to them, he called them, he said, you hypocrites. Worship him with sincerity. Sincerity means without hypocrisy. Amen. Don't show up at the altar with an empty box. Make sure that it's filled with a gift that's from your heart. Closing quotes. Here we go. Worship is more than singing songs and raising hands. It's about doing things from your heart with respect to being, uh, bringing honor and reverence to God. That's what it's about. It's about doing things from your heart with respect to bringing honor and reverence to God. I don't care what you do. If you do it with from your heart with respect of bringing honor to God and reverence to God, it's worship. If you go out here and, 
If you go out here and you feed the homeless, why are you doing it? Are you doing it so you can look good? Are you doing it to help some folks or whatever? Do it. Do it with a worship, worship, with worship in mind. Do it because you respect God and you honor God and you want to do something that's going to bring honor to him. God, these people are your people. And, and right now, they need you. So I'm going out here and I'm going to feed because I want them to see you in me. That's worship. Amen. Here's another quote. Worship prevents me from going through life with blinders on. Too often we're walking through life with blinders on. Worship prevents me from going through life with, with blinders on. It gives me purpose for what I do. Well, what's the purpose? To bring God reverence. What's the purpose? To bring him honor. What's the purpose? To do something to show that I adore him. So, so whatever you do, do it with that purpose. Amen? Here's the last quote. It's better. I, I like this quote. My, my, uh, my old pastor, Dan Barry, I, I know, I don't know if he's got this somewhere, but I'm going to share this with him. He needs to have this somewhere around him because he fish all the time. I'm constantly look, seeing pictures on Instagram. He, he poked, you know, got a fish that he didn't caught. Um, I just saw just the other day, he's out in, in Wisconsin or somewhere like that, South Dakota. And he's uh, wildlife, fishing for wildlife. And he had a big one, big giant one. Anyway, here's the quote, last quote. It's better to sit on a boat thinking about God than it is to sit in church thinking about fishing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, somebody said, let the church say amen. <laughs> it's better to sit on a boat thinking about God than it is to sit in church thinking about fishing. So often we're in this place of, of, of quote unquote worship, you know, doing things of God, for God, going to church. And our mind is everywhere but what it's supposed to be on. Our mind is everywhere but being on God. Our mind is everywhere but being on the worship, amen? It's everywhere else. How many times we sit in church, man, and we can't wait till we get out of church because we think about where we're going to eat. We think about <laughs> watching football because it is football season. You know, we're thinking about, you know, man, how long this preacher going to keep on preaching? I know some of y'all probably done said that two or three times already. I'm about done. Is that <laughs> our mind be everywhere. but on the worship of God. Amen. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee, 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.